Welcome to All Things Financial Management, an ASMC podcast sponsored by GuideHouse, where we discuss all things under the auspices of the Comptroller's Office and address top-of-mind issues in the financial management community. Good morning. My name is Tom Rhodes. I'm a partner with GuideHouse, where I work with clients across the DOD and other government agencies to transform and optimize their financial management functions. I'll be your host for today's podcast. For those of you who may be new to this podcast series, let me take just a moment to provide some background on the American Society of Military Comptrollers. The American Society of Military Comptrollers, or ASMC, is the nonprofit educational and professional organization for individuals, military, civilian, corporate, or retired, involved or interested in the field of defense financial management. ASMC promotes the education and training of its members and supports the development and advancement of the profession of defense financial management. The society provides membership, education and professional development, and certification programs to keep members and the overall financial management community abreast of current issues and encourages the exchange of information, techniques, and approaches. And with that, I'd like to introduce our government guest for today. Today we have with us Mr. Steve Ronconi, who is the Assistant Director and Chief Financial Officer of the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency. He leads a team of 450 people and is responsible for all budgetary, financial, and asset management aspects, including $8.1 billion in appropriations. Since joining ICE in 2017, Mr. Ronconi enhanced ICE's financial audit and internal controls through multiple clean audits. He's also significantly improved the condition and overall management of ICE's law enforcement vehicle fleet valued at $400 million, as well as ICE's global portfolio of 700 field offices and mission facilities. In addition, Mr. Ronconi has grown the agency's budget 23% or $1.58 billion and its workforce 13% or by over 2,000 personnel. Prior to joining ICE, Mr. Ronconi served 22 years active duty as a Coast Guard officer. Steve, thanks for being here with us today. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me and the opportunity. We know how busy everyone is. I mean, particularly know how busy you are. So we're grateful for your time. And to go ahead and get started for some of our readers or listeners, what we'd like to do is ask you about your background. And in short, would you mind telling us your story of of, um, your background and how it landed you in your current position? Yeah, sure, Tom. Uh, Thanks for the question. Uh, Background. I have a quite a diverse background. I was a Coast Guard officer for 22 years active duty. And within those of you who know Coast Guard, it's a small service and uh, has a myriad of missions. And I was a shipboard captain. I was operational and underway out at sea for the first four years. And then I um, had an opportunity sort of mid-grade to pursue some of the things I learned in undergraduate at the Coast Guard Academy, and that was civil engineering. So I went to school for that full time and at the same time got Uh, pursued my MBA. And for the following roughly 10 years, I did a lot of project management, construction management, uh, and engineering for the Coast Guard because they have a a variety of locations, bases, sectors, and and facilities around the country that uh, we maintain, own, 
and have to make asset management decisions against, um, as you can imagine. So, but from there, I sort of middle to late in my career, I transitioned into Washington, D.C. and got really right into budget and program management. And that's where I cut my teeth, if so to speak, with being in the budget shop, working under the CFO. I, I did a, a tour also in the Department of Transportation in the CFO's office where I was able to be really hands-on with, this was a, around 2009, host the Recovery Act where there was a lots of transportation funding to help modernize and improve our uh, infrastructure in the United States. So uh, I was really thrilled to be part of that and working in the front lines on, on those efforts. We'll see, it was about six years ago, I, I ended up retiring. We've been living in DC and I came upon this current job. What an excellent opportunity inside the Department of Homeland Security, a law enforcement agency with a uh, really stand up mission, dedicated people across the agency, roughly 22,000 people. Really a monumental task to be able to lead the effort as the CFO for budget resources, financial management, financial statement audit readiness, among other things. So that's really my story. And I would say that uh, the other thing too, I was the second person in my family who went through the Coast Guard Academy and became an officer. I have an older sibling brother who also did 20 years plus years of service. So uh, happy to report we have some you know service built into our family line and uh, i'm very proud of that oh no thank you for your service miss ronconi and your family service that is wonderful in your time as the at the coast guard academy and your time as an active duty officer was that the foundation of leadership and you know skills that that you rely on and fall back on today did that provide that sort of foundation for you that's right the coast guard shaped a lot of my adult development, growth, learning experiences. I'll, I'll tell you one quick one is uh, when I was 22 years old, I became a, a captain of a small patrol boat out in California. And you can imagine, you know, sort of being at that age, not having a whole lot of practical experiences, being responsible for a ship and the mission, as well as over a dozen people in their safety going out at sea and rescuing folks and doing the various missions that we do with law enforcement on the high seas are, are challenging and dangerous and so you know i kind of feel that i really grew up in a short period in those those few years i served as a captain because of those responsibilities uh, looking after the crew and, and meeting the mission that was one early on experience that really shaped my view of the world, particularly, and, and view of how I manage organizations and the people that make it run. There were several other experiences throughout my Coast Guard career. I, I mean, I, I wanted to challenge myself by trying to achieve higher responsibilities as I moved up the ladder there. And each one of those experiences brought new skill sets, perspectives, both from a an operational side from a an asset management engineering side to a uh, headquarters oversight program management perspective. So I, I, I like to believe that all of those experiences together shaped my approach to people management, 
to resource management and to really defining the value that the CFO can bring to an agency and an organization. Yeah, it's amazing how the those skills and experiences early on in terms of, you know, having leadership responsibilities and feeling the mantle of leadership kind of settle on your shoulders as a 22-year-old captain and being responsible for the care and feeding of your crew, but also their their lives, basically, in the type of mission that that you are engaged in. And all of these experiences would come full circle later as you're now leveraging these to drive the CFO organization within the Immigration Customs Enforcement. So what a great background and setting for you to take over this responsibility. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. So Ms. Ronaconi, can you share with us your role as the CFO and how you support the ICE mission? Great question. I've thought a lot about that over the time I've been here. And I alluded to earlier about the value of a CFO position and really the the way this position and myself can help impact leaders of an agency and an organization, bring the best decision-making to bear on the wide variety of both operational and business functions on a daily and weekly basis. As CFO, I've, I've got the overall overarching responsibility for the budget, as I mentioned, accounting, financial reporting, internal controls, among other things. A lot of those things are traditionally thought of as compliance and audit readiness. You know, we're complying with a policy manual a set or a set of laws and regulations that have been stipulated for many years. And those are core things to the CFO and every CFO's set of responsibilities. But I think today we're seeing a, a, a big change. And, and when I talk about the value proposition and our mission of providing you know, stewardship through the dedicated professionalism of those individuals, the financial and budgetary workforce, you know, there really is lots of opportunities to bring to bear to the senior, the C-suite, if you will, in the myriad of complexities that are confronted in today's day and age. So I believe that, you know, our vision here is to try to be best in class in our financial organization, but it's really to serve the mission in all of our stakeholders. You know, we, we can never forget that we're public servants. We should be diligent and prudent about our resources that are provided and we're accountable. So we're really always balancing that act of making sure compliance and readiness from a financial standpoint, but we're also leveraging the data that we ingest every day from a whole host of areas that allow us to tell a story to the C-suite of what's happening or unfolding on a routine basis so we can pivot and react accordingly and really position the agency best to be most effective, right, in the mission sets that we're charged with. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I guess I'll date myself. There seems to be, you know, you know, maybe two decades ago, this this view that CFOs were really around, you know, having control systems, you know, making sure that systems had controls to process and and then highly transactional processed financial transactions. So, you know, we were the people who sat in the back office, controlled our systems, and then those systems had transactions that flowed through them. And, you know, I think in the way you've described it is really forward-leaning and innovative and in that that role's now changed to where our systems aren't just control systems, they're actually mission systems. And we're less transaction-oriented because we've got the systems to process transactions. And now we're more into um, setting strategy 
leading change, becoming real partners with the C-suite and, and accessing data and packaging data in a way that it can be useful for decision making. You can just really see how the office of the CFO has just changed over the last several decades. What strategic direction do you see for ICE in the OCFO? And what is your vision for the OCFO of the future? Yeah, Tom, good, great question. You know, I talked about our sort of vision and mission, and we really have four pillars that we sort of guide us through our week to week, right? And so number one is our we've got to invest in our workforce. We got to make sure they're they bring diverse skills to the table and technical capabilities. And then we've got to make sure we foster and care for those folks. That's training, that's professional development, talent, engaging supervisors and leaders. That's different when I was younger growing up in in my early career than it is today with all the technology we have and social media and, and such. But the core skills and training and development still remain the same. I think, uh, you know, we're really trying to develop an analytical workforce and i'll talk more about that but secondly our pillar is about innovating and automating through data and i think you're hearing a lot more about that over the last few years and you alluded to earlier getting away from less transactional activities to more of you know how to what is the data telling us i always tell my folks tell me the story of the data don't just you know provide a report with tables and graphs, but you don't really understand what's behind it. And I think that's where the the value lies. And uncovering that value is really a key aspect of being analytical. So we're trying to promote a culture of analytics throughout our OCFO organization and really throughout the agency, because the better people can, um, you know, understand the data that's in front of us, uh, it really, uncovers enormous amounts of untapped potential for the agency to achieve its goals. Uh, so we're, you know, we're expanding automation tools, uh, robotics, those sorts of things. You know, we're engaged, I, I alluded to financial systems modernization is a key element we could talk more about. And then we also stood up an office of data analytics within OCFO. And that's really the core office that's made up of technical professionals who can help the rest of our CFO organization understand how to work, thrive, standardize, and interrogate the data that comes in through our our, our divisions. So, uh, and again, I think you put it very well. You know, at the end of the day, we have to boil it down into plain English for senior leaders to be able to to understand quickly, uh, whether it's graphically or in, in some kind of a table but it's got to be understandable. And that's where I see a lot of troubles and challenges in making that transition. So there's lots of skill sets to be able to do that. And we've got to be able to train our folks and expose our folks to be able to do that. You know, the last two pillars, aligning our budget to achieve the strategy, that's that's sort of given, right? But I think we sometimes we take for granted that, you know, a big part of our, our business line is ensuring that we have a budget process in in budgetary resources that are flexible to respond to the mission. And that's that's challenging year to year, particularly in in, uh, immigration and the diverse sets of missions that ICE delivers for DHS and the nation. So we're working to make sure we can draw direct lines to our resources and we could cost out and model 
our programs and how those achieve the objectives that are sought. And then lastly, just optimizing our own business management processes. I think you have to do the care and feeding activities within OCFO and make sure we focus on that. So we're being as lean as possible. We're being responsive to customers because we have lots of those stakeholders and customers here at ICE, one of which, by the way, Tom, is we're a financial service provider for four other DHS components. So not only do we serve ICE as a organ- large organization, but we're serving others. And that, that's been around for about 10 years, 10 plus years, sort of legacy customs and precursor to ICE. But that's no small feat. That sort of multiplies the, the actions and activities that a normal financial management office would be conducting. So we actually have two financial service centers, one in Burlington, Vermont, one in Dallas, as well as our headquarters here in D.C. footprint to do a lot of that. So we have a pretty robust financial management and service activity here. Really, those are the core areas that we focus on in our strategic plan. They're really simple to understand. I think that's key to what we try to promote, as well as our, you know, our goals and objectives that I sort of highlighted there. But but really data analytics and embracing data, those insights, as I mentioned, are are really core to being able to really extract all the value that we can bring to bear for the C-suite and, and all of our stakeholders for that matter. And Mr. Ronconi, talking about data and you know your stakeholders, do you find it challenging that uh, to capitalize on your stakeholder relationships to pull out the type of information they're looking for so that when your team is you know doing your data analytics and your processing and dashboarding that you can provide them the information they need packaged in a way that that can be useful for them or are you do you feel like you're kind of working that from the back end yeah that's a good question i think we have there's there's inherent challenges throughout right we have multiple systems through multiple programs part of the financial system modernization program here at ice in our our servicing components um, is trying to condense three core systems. One is the core accounting financial system. The other is the procurement system, which is a large system that does all the procurements through the agency. And there's thousands of transactions and, uh, you know, billions of dollars that transact every year. And then there's our asset management activities. So we're we're trying right now. Those are all disparate systems. We're trying to condense those into one core financial or you know ERP system, if you will. You know, at the same time, we're standardizing our business processes. So I think inherent, you know, the agency and the organizations, I believe, need to refresh those looks every so often. You know, say every five or ten years to be able to really understand if our processes match our programs, our position for the what lies ahead in the future, what we can anticipate and expect through our strategies. And then, you know, our systems are updated, secure, and nimble enough to be able to extract data in a repeatable and credible way. And so data is accurate and can be relied on. And that's that's really critical. That's very hard to do with the amount of information that's flowing and through these systems. And so we spend a lot of time doing testing and internal control checks to ensure these systems are reliable. And of course, our auditors 
are on board every year to ensure you know their sampling and and the things we are asserting to are indeed there's an assurance there so yeah that's a challenging space i think this one we focus on quite a bit and i think uh, we're moving in the right direction in that space thank you for that and i'm um, speaking of nimble systems how would ICE leverage innovation and emerging technology to support its efforts to move towards the OCFO of the future? Yeah, I think that really speaks predominantly to the, what I mentioned earlier, the financial systems modernization, what we're doing on that front. You know, inside of that, we're, uh, you know, obviously leveraging all the most recent tools like business intelligence, you know, analytics, and then the robotic process automation, for example. We've undertaken quite a significant effort in putting together some bots inside our financial management processes with payments and receivables and and elsewhere to be able to automate some of those mundane transactional things we talked about earlier. And that has paid out dividends to free up hours and time for those individuals and, and personnel to really focus their attention on quality control and understanding the data like we talked about before. So, you know, we're in a really great partnership with the department, our other components. We're leading through the financial system modernization program here and talking through some of these tough challenges to be prepared through the the process. And that's discovery and then finally through deployment over the next few years. So we're looking forward to that. I think there's a lot of, you know, bright spots on the horizon. You know, there's a lot of initiatives underway as well inside of the federal government, like payment processing and G invoicing and things where we have intergovernmental relationships and trading partners with the federal government, among others. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of exciting areas, there's a lot of exciting technology to bring to bear, and we have some some good plans that that are already underway, and and we've got some laid out for the future. So this it's an exciting time. Yeah, it sounds like a, it's an exciting. Would be an exciting time to to be a member of the team and to be engaged in these innovations and and the modernization efforts that you're going through. And Mr. Ronconi, we usually like to wrap up each one of our episodes with some advice for early careers that are listening. So, knowing what you know now, what advice would you share for those who are just starting their careers? One I talk about with a lot of the junior folks here who are coming on board, you know, maybe for the first time in the government or their first employment experience. But I think it's really important that, you know, folks get mentors and seek out those relationships to to hear those experiences and sort of ingest those so they can use those as a toolkit throughout their career. For me, you know, some of the things that are memorable for me are is that you know, when opportunities arise, particularly the ones where nobody else wants, those are opportunities to to really highlight your skills and don't be afraid to take those, right? No job is really too small. I think that's also indicative of, of, of a person's drive and determination to be able to make some impacts outside their core areas. You know, always trust your instincts. I think that matters and can help you guide through some difficult situations. Opinions, I think, really matter, and especially uh, if you have strong convictions. Voice those in a way that could be heard, because your opinions really do matter. And I think, finally, you know, really learning. We can learn every day, every week, 
no matter how much experience you have, there's always new things to learn. And I think some of us get complacent from time to time and comfortable with our position. I've been here for six years. You know, I feel like in many regards, it's a rinse and repeat. I've seen a lot of things recur, right? Whether it's the budget cycle or financial audit, the control program, or you know, any of our financial policies, a lot of our business decisions. There's still many, many areas to learn and grow. And I think if we approach it in that manner, it unlocks a lot of untapped potential. And I think it keeps you sharp. And so I would say, uh, don't stop learning. Great advice for our listeners. Thank you so much for your time today. I know you're very busy. And Mr. Ranconi, just want to thank you for being here with us today. My pleasure, Tom. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to All Things Financial Management, an ASMC podcast series sponsored by GuideHouse. You can find all our episodes on ASMC's Engage platform and at our website, guidehouse.com, All Things Financial Management.